Welcome to Any Given You. This show is about all things college football, and on it you will hear insights, analysis, discussion, predictions, and stories of any given topic from any given time, past, present, or future. We believe that the stats are great, but the stories are greater. And you should listen if you have a passion for the game and what makes it great. We're going to talk about touchdowns and touched lives. Come with us on a journey that extends beyond the field of play. We will talk wins, losses, and coachable moments learned on the football field and taken to the classroom, workforce, home, and even the battlefield. Division one to division none. Five-star recruits to walk-ons, it doesn't matter. If it's college football, it's worth the story. I'm your host, Michael Megan. U.S. Army Ranger and a former college football player, and more importantly, a lifelong fan of all things college football. Whether you are a casual fan, a fanatic, a coach, a player, or just a person who loves great stories, then huddle up and commit at any given you. A fullback is a position in the offensive backfield in American football. Fullbacks are typically larger than running backs, and in most offensive schemes, the fullback's duties are to block, run with power, and catch some passes out of the backfield. Now, some legendary players have represented the position. Hall of Famers like Jim Brown, Larry Zonka, and Bronco Nagurski come to mind. But today's guest is a self-dubbed throwback fullback, quote, unquote. To me, that is a nasty downhill seek and destroy player that keeps linebackers up at night. So kids, if you've never heard of this position because you're living in your spread offense, vertical passing attack world, then buckle that chin strap, baby, and get ready because here comes some old school smash mouth fun. Marquez Williams is a three-year starter at Clark Central High School in Athens, Georgia. He received all region honorable mention honors as a senior. He also competed in weightlifting and track and field. He started three years at Division II Mars Hill University in North Carolina. He was a two-time All-South Atlantic Conference honoree, earning first-team honors in 2015 and earned All-Region honors as a redshirt sophomore in 2014. In 2016, as a graduate transfer, he served as Miami's, yes, the U, Miami's starting fullback for the season, seeing action in all 13 games with five starts. He would go on to be drafted in the seventh round of 2017 NFL draft by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He continued his professional career with the Cleveland Browns and the Arena Football League's Atlantic City Blackjacks and with the XFL's Houston Roughnecks, not Rednecks, folks, the Roughnecks. Marquez, welcome to the Any Given You podcast, man. I am so excited to have you. Oh, man, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a blessing anytime I'm able to get on the podcast and you know, just kind of have a conversation and tell my story. I'm excited. So thank you. For sure. And for the folks that, because it's a podcast and we don't have really the visuals going on, I expected nothing less to see the, than to see the Miami swag come out. Got you wearing the Miami shirt for the interview. In a Mars Hill hat. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. You got the Mars Hill Lions on the, on the cap and you got the Canes on the shirt. So where are you, uh, where are you joining us from today? Athens, Georgia, 706, classic city, baby. So before we get into the meat of the show today, I just want to say that I am really excited about the opportunity to interview a fellow fullback because, you know, that's the position that I played as a walk-on in college. 
uh, making the transition uh, to that position. And it's, it's one I've had a great passion for. And my first question is like, what made you gravitate towards that position in a time where it's kind of going extinct in, in the game of college football today? Yeah, I can't even like give myself credit for that. Uh, I really have to give credit to my little league coaches. Uh, I always tell people, uh, I was coached by some old school, you know, uh, coaches. And and I remember they introduced to me the position. They was like, hey, we're going to stick you at fullback. And uh, that was, it was the very first position I ever played since the fourth grade. And they was like, hey, we're going to stick you here. You're going to put your nose in there. You're going to pound people. We'll give you the ball occasionally. <laughs> but they was like, we want you to go in there, stick your nose and pound people. And uh, at the time when I played Little League football, um, it was before bull in the ring was, you know, deemed illegal or, you know, uh, concussions were a thing. So it was like stick your nose in there hit people, and if you didn't, you you were considered soft and you couldn't play football, you know. So uh, they, they stuck me at the fullback position, I think simply because I, I wasn't the best running back on the team, but I wasn't the worst guy on the team. And we had so many guys in front of me that say, hey, you know, stick them at fullback. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the funniest things I took away from what you just said is apparently, you know, Little League in Georgia – concussions are not real those are, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are just yeah. not a real thing get off the field if you have a concussion that's you're, you're faking. Yeah, absolutely. man I love that I, that's what gravitated me towards that position as well I mean I always felt like that was the natural position I was supposed to play you know for my like my entire career I played offensive and defensive line primarily all from peewee all through high school but the thing was is I, you know, in high school, I played guard at 6'1", 235 pounds. So oh, I yeah. was like, well, I'm not going to play in the trenches at the next level. I have no shot at playing line at the next level, but I'm a perfect size fullback. And uh, so th that's that's what I kind of gravitate towards that position. I really like that blue collar, stick your nose in there. Like, I'll tell you, you know what a linebacker's worst nightmare is? It's a fullback that likes to block. <laughs> No, nah, absolutely. Uh, I concur. Uh, so speaking of, um, you know, since we're on this on the subject and kids, again, the fullback is a position that used to get some back on backer play. It used to be a guy that would run out of the power eye or the flexed eye that would come through the gaps in the line and absolutely what you were going for was rock'em sock'em robots. Somebody's head <laughs> was going to pop up, and it had better be the that linebacker if you're playing fullback. But who is your favorite fullback? Yeah, I think uh, when I think back, I go back to uh, one of my favorite running backs, and he led the league in rushing. I think back in 2010 was Arian Foster, and he had big Vontae Leach leading the way for him. And uh, I kind of took out the Vontae because. Uh, he he wasn't the best athlete, but Vontae would stick his nose in there. He was a big guy. I mean, he was probably six one, six two. I mean, he was probably like, you know, maybe you know two sixty to two eighty, and just a big guy. And and nobody wanted to get in front of him. And Aaron Foster used to come off his butt and you know, 10, 15 yards a break one every so often. And and Vontae was a big guy. And uh, I mean, he just cleared guys out the hole. And I loved that. I watched him when. 
I watched him even when he was in Baltimore. Uh, I really do like Mike Allstott, but uh, I mean, <laughs> his, to me, he was more of a running fullback. I mean, yeah. you, could put, you could really put uh, Mike at running back. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, but I like the guys that was able to stick their nose in there. Um, even the one guy that I look up to, uh, even though he was a, was a Florida State Seminole, uh, but Greg Jones, when I was in Jacksonville, uh, learned a lot from him. Greg, Greg was a hard-nosed guy. Played for a long time in the league and would stick his nose in there. Love Greg and yeah, probably Vonte. I I, re I really did like Vonte. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Vonte Leach out of uh, he played at East Carolina, I think. I'm yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, East Carolina. He was uh, over there in Greenville, a pirate. And uh, yeah, he used to hit the hole like a pirate too. He, he come through there, man. People did not <laughs> want to be in that dude's way. I do remember Vonte Leach playing. Um, uh, I, you know what, man, I'm so excited we're doing this. Are you getting some shine to this position finally? Yeah, uh, for me, Mike Allstott is my probably he's like in my top three favorite players because I'm from Tampa in, okay. in general. So like he's, he, you know, he's right up there. In fact, in my living room, I have uh, Herschel Walker on one wall and on the other wall, I got Mike Allstott. So, but um, if I'm thinking more pure fullback, I got to go with the fullback goat, pure blocking fullback. And that to me is Lorenzo Neal. Lorenzo um, Neal. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Lorenzo Neal. You know, the funny thing is, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at one point had Lorenzo Neal, Mike Allstott and Jamil Cook all in the same backfield. It was like this uh, full house formation with three of the biggest backs. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Yeah. It was insane. It Lorenzo, was Lorenzo, uh, it's, it's funny that you mentioned Lorenzo because uh, I did kind of connect with him on uh, Instagram for a short while and, and just messaged them and told them, you know, thank you for paving the way for, you know, all the fullbacks that came after him because, I mean, he was a hard-nosed guy, you know, blocking for, um, God, it was the short back. Uh, it was a Mike Turner, you know, and um, even even a Damien, you know, um, I mean, just, he just, to me, he paved the way for, you know, all the young guys playing their fullback position. He did it for such a long time and uh, executed it well. So, you know, I, I sent him a message and just said, thank you. Yeah, no, I Absolutely. Like Lorenzo Neal is a positional, you know, he's, he's kind of a positional legend there with fullback. But yeah, he was definitely, uh, definitely really cool. So we're going to get into this next segment right now. And this is called the floor is yours because right. yeah, I, as much as I could sit here and talk about all these other fullbacks, I want to talk about the fullback that I'm talking to right now. So, um, so you are from Athens, Georgia. I have frequented Athens, Georgia at certain points of my young adult life. I kind of had a question for a person who is a native of that place what is it like to live in Athens uh you know during football season from the months of like September to December you've got UGA home games the place probably just swells with population what's that like yeah so uh even before I get to what it's like in football season uh Athens period uh I think one thing that most people don't even notice that uh Athens is like two separate worlds combined in one so you have you have like the University of Georgia, and then you have Athens, you have the locals, and it's really two different worlds. Uh, it's one that um, I really didn't notice when I was younger. Uh, I don't like I said I didn't play football until I was in like the fourth grade, so I really didn't know about you know football, you know, till you know when I was probably about six, which is still relatively young. 
but I still I still never really forget uh, the first time I got introduced to the University of Georgia. Being from Athens, my mom worked at the University of Georgia. She worked at uh, the dining halls, and um, the girls' basketball team used to have free games. And my mom would take me and my uh, my brother and my sister to uh, some of the free games. And we went and we watched the games and I saw how uh, the crowd was so into them playing and we were wearing free pizza from screaming so loud. And it was just such a good time. And um, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, so this is what college is like. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, I want to be here. <laughs> I was like, this is college. So uh, even though it was two different worlds, you know, it was, it was cool to be able to see the world that was outside of the one that I lived on because I, I grew up on uh, East Broad Street in Athens. Um, uh, at the time, it wasn't, you know, the most pleasant place to live. You know, it was my childhood and I learned a lot, met a lot of people. It was great. I still go by there from time to time. But during football season, uh, especially once I got older to really understand what was going on, uh, it was great, especially when I was young, when I was in like middle school, high school. You know, my mom working at the dining halls and, um, you know, uh, she used to always go to work in the morning and she'd get off before the game and, you know, all the leftover food that they had at the dining hall, she used to bring it home. We used to have sandwiches and um, God, I forget what they used to call them, but it was like little doggy pouches where you got like, you know, this mix of like graham crackers and, you know, nuts and all this. And it was oh, yeah. My, my mom used to call those Scooby snacks. <laughs> Scooby snacks. Yeah, she used to bring them home right before the game, and we used to watch kickoff. And man, it was fun. It, it was it's it's a little different at the time because I wasn't old enough to like be downtown. I remember the first time Bama came to town, and Nick Saban and uh, Athens was just going crazy. And we had um, you know college game day in downtown Athens, and uh, I I never seen that place like that. You know, but it was always fun because every Saturday. I knew exactly where I was going to be and who we were watching and it was them dogs playing. Uh, my, my grandfather was a Georgia graduate. My aunt attended the University of Georgia for three years and for some reason went and graduated from South Carolina. I don't know why, but either way. <laughs> uh, so I do have a family connection to that school as well. And when Coach Rick kind of went over there, which was a coach I really liked and the way that he ran the offense at Florida State and everything else like that, I started rolling with the dogs in 2000. Yeah, man, I, I, I know that, that, uh, that feeling, that game day atmosphere in Athens is, is really second to none growing up in that environment so would you say that that was your first that was kind of your first love in college football like that's where you wanted to go play oh without a doubt I wanted to be a bulldog all the way through uh it's kind of funny that you talk about uh even coach Rick like when I became a bulldog fan I was six years old and uh I was born in 94 so in the year 2000 when coach Rick came is when I got introduced to Georgia football and literally ever since the day that Coach Rick was the coach there to the day uh, he resigned or, you know, Georgia let him go, I had been a Bulldog fan for the, for them 15 years. And uh, it's just it's kind of crazy that at the time that he left Georgia is when I went to Miami and, uh, and always told my mom that I wanted to play at Georgia. I wanted to play for Coach Rick. Nobody else. Georgia and Coach Rick. Like, I would do nothing else. Yeah, I, you know, and one of the things that attracted me to to Coach Rick and his and his coaching style and 
you know, he deserves every bit of credit for making Georgia relevant again. I, I think, you know, since Coach Dooley left, you know, the, the dogs had that stretch in the 90s that it kind of pitter-pattered through stuff. It wasn't really anything exciting, but Coach Rick brought relevancy back to that program and at least established them in the SEC. You know, funny enough, after I was done uh, down at Florida International, I moved up to Georgia. I still had years of eligibility. Actually, technically I still do because I'm in the army. So they kind of paused. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Thanks I'm going to get, I'm gonna get out at 41 and I'm going to go use my, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but hey, why not? Hey, but yeah, why not? Right. And so I, uh, I took an unofficial recruiting visit to Georgia. Coach Tarashinsky was in the building as the recruiting coordinator. Coach Rick was still there. And, you know, they were giving me a little bit of a tour of the facility. And it was basically, it was like a, Hey, we're going to do this to be really polite. But if you get into this school, we would love to have you out here. But if you don't like, there's nothing we can do about it, but going in the butts mirror building, walking down in the locker room and everything else, it was really cool. Um, and I remember this Distinctly, Danny Ware. Do you remember him at running back? Danny Ware. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I remember distinctly walking into the, the, the players' lounge area, which was attached to the locker room, which was going into the, the field house facility or the strength and conditioning facility. And Danny Ware was taking a nap on a couch. And Coach Tarashinsky goes, Danny, wake up. It's time to lift or whatever, you know, as we're walking through. And he goes, oh, okay, coach. <laughs> And he stands up, <laughs> this guy stands up. He didn't have a shirt on. He stands up and he kind of uh, you know, flexes and stretches. And I remember just thinking to myself, I am not doing enough. <laughs> I, knew, I should be in the gym right now. This dude, it was ridiculous. This guy was ridiculous. But um, so coming out of high school, you're smashing heads, playing that fullback spot, the, the most fun position on the field. What happens to take you out of the peach state and take you to your first stop in college? football which was Mars Hill yes I um, always like to tell this story too you know when I was coming out of high school I wasn't highly recruited we we had some guys on my team who were uh, a lot better than I was we had a quarterback go to South Carolina tackle go to Tennessee running back went to Tennessee linebacker go to Air Force but truthfully when it came to my senior year and I asked my uh, guidance counselor what my GPA was you know he was up front and honest with me he said, Quiz, you got a 2.1 GPA. And uh, this kind of when reality set in, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to go to Georgia. I wanted to go to all these different schools. But uh, realistically, I didn't have the grades. And I was a one-star athlete. I felt like I was better than, you know, what I was ranked. But honestly, my mentality and my attitude didn't match who I ultimately wanted to be, nor did my grades. You know, I went on to go take the uh, SAT, the ACT, and uh, did terrible. <laughs> like, yeah, so did I. We all do. We all did terrible on that. Who yeah. does? Who does well on that you know <laughs> yeah I mean I did terrible Th thankfully I did make A's and B's my uh my whole senior year so I actually was able to get my GPA up to like a 2.5 and um the only two offers that I had was you know Mars Hill University and uh George Military College I wasn't going to a military school I take my chances four years in the mountains somewhere I'd never been, never heard of. Uh, it, I mean, it was only three hours away from home, and I had some guys that graduated from my high school and from Cedar Shoals High School that were already up there that I, could, I was kind of familiar with. So uh, it was kind of a no-brainer from there. So I am obviously a, a, a college football nerd. 
uh, it's a passion of mine. I have heard of Mars Hill. I have actually heard of it. I've seen guys wearing Mars Hill football shirts. I've seen it a couple times. So that that kind of begs the question for me. If I've heard of Mars Hill, are they pretty passionate up there about their program there? Yeah. So, uh, oh man, Mars Hill is like a special place. It's like the place that you know, whether you heard of if you never heard of it. But um, man, when I, I it's so hard to explain. It's really a special place because I've met so many great people from there, and uh, I go all around the country and mention Mars Hill, and people actually heard of it or went to school there. It's, it's just the craziest thing ever. And we, uh, at my time there with the coaching staff, with the professors, the guys I played with, I mean, just met so many guys that went on to do so many great things. Uh, it's literally like a diamond in the rough. And if, if you get the chance to go there, it's, it's like special. You know, it, it really is. And uh, it's in the heart of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, it's a very beautiful place. I mean, it's like no other. I hated it when I first got there. <laughs> but, you know, over years, man, I loved it. It's like a second home to me. If not Athens, most definitely Mars Hill. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So by a U.S. census, there's only about 3,000 people that live there. Um, on, on U.S. census, but how many, how many, like, what kind of home crowds are we talking about here at Mars Hill when you guys strap it up? Like, literally uh, 5,000 people would fill up the stadium. So, so more people than day. live in the census. <laughs> so, I think on game day, um, on game day, about 2,000, about 2,000 on a good day, you'll catch about 2,000 people in the stadium. And um, yeah, I mean, but but people came out to support us. It, it, it was great. You got the you got the backdrop with the mountains, you know, while playing football. I mean, it was great. I loved everything about it. That's really cool, man. So um, is there something unique? So, uh, you know, you touched on the scenery and, and the passion for it, the fact that you put more people in the stands than even, are, are, you know, legally live in the town. Um, <laughs> You know, is there something that you miss uh, that's particular to the Division Two level, which is what Mars Hill is at? Is there something in particular that you kind of miss about playing in that atmosphere, like maybe a closeness with the fan base that maybe you don't have when you go to a big school? Because, at you know, at that point, when you're at a major FBS program, everything's kind of at an arm's distance. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So Mars is the biggest thing is just, um, just the – the overall atmosphere of the school, like my my professors attended the game, you know, uh, the lady that served me breakfast every morning attended the game. Uh, my mom was able to attend the games because it was three hours away. All the people in the community really came out and supported us every Saturday. And that was the biggest thing. And, and you was, and they were like right there on top of you. You, you seen these guys when you came out uh, on the field for the game, they can't, they walked out on to the field and congratulated you win and loss after the game. Uh, these people really took care of you. They were family. Even the people up the street that owned Papa Nick, it was a pizzeria. I mean, they knew me by heart and I would go there and get pizza after the game, bring my family in there. They practically fed me while I was in college. It was just a, just a tight-knit community and uh, it was one of the places where my mom really didn't have to worry about me because, you know, while I was on that campus, it was a great experience. All the people were great 
and they came out and supported me. And um, I got to give a big shout out to uh, the Easterlies, their family at Mars Hill, uh, Miss Easterly. I interned for her at Mars Hill Elementary for like three years. And she's like another mother to me. Still to this day, I can go to their house in Mars Hill. The front door will be unlocked. I can walk in there and say, hey, and go take a nap if I want to. But it's literally my second home. Yeah, that's, you know, that's second to none, man. That's really cool that, that you got that experience and you got the, the other side of the, the, the coin too, you know, playing in nationally televised games and uh, have, having that experience. So you, uh, you rack up some accolades while you're at Mars Hill. You, you get some individual awards, uh, obviously had yourself a good career there and good enough to go ahead and take your talents as a senior graduate transfer to the FBS level. And so uh, a, a long time, um, a dream come true, right? You get to go play for Coach Rick, but it's not in Athens, it's in Coral Gables. So what, what was your thought process, of, you know, for that opportunity? Yeah, so uh, even even kind of the story behind it, because most people don't even know. So Coach Rick's son, John Rick, was the quarterback at Mars Hill. He had transferred from Clemson. And I actually came to Mars Hill. So when I came in as a freshman, John was a senior. The coaching staff and the team was so small to where the running backs and the quarterbacks were in the same room. I got to know John because we had a lot of the receivers and other guys that were from Athens. But, um, you know, me and John got to know each other. And then when you kind of fast forward to uh, when I graduated, Coach Rick uh, left Georgia, took the job at Miami, and then hired his son, John, as the quarterback's coach. And uh, I remember uh, I was doing the intern at the Department of Juvenile Justice in Asheville, North Carolina, and looking for a place to go play ball. And um, got on the phone with one of my friends. We we called him Pike, and you know Pike was like, "Hey man, he's like he he was a big Miami fan." Big Hurricanes fan. He's like, hey, you know, uh, Miami needs a fullback. He's like, you need to. He's like, you need to call John and see if you can go down there. And at the time, you know, my mindset was like, nah, they, they're not gonna want me. You know, I'm too small. You know. I'm this little D2 guy. I was like, they're not going to want me. But um, luckily enough, I, I called John one day and he picked up the phone. I was like, oh, snap. I was like, you know, he picked up the phone. I was like, you know, I said, hey, to John, you know, told him what was going on. And I told him, you know, my situation. And I was like, hey, I want to send you my film and just let me know what you think about it. I was like, you know, just be honest with me. Don't pull my leg. And he was like, you know, I'll look at it and I'll get back to you. Uh, like two or three months went by, I didn't hear from John, so I figured Miami wasn't where I was going to go, and I, I sent out hundreds of emails to a bunch of different schools, like North Dakota State called me back, they was like, we, we, we won't even look at your film, and you know, I was on the phone with the coach, and I was like, you won't even look at the film, and he was like, nah, he was like, we good, so um, Liberty was like, hey, you can walk on, I had one, for some reason, I had one to go to William & Mary so bad in Virginia, but never got a call back. And it just happened like that. So, you know, one day, you know, I'm in I'm, I'm in Asheville. And if I can be completely transparent, <laughs> like, seriously, I was in Asheville with one of my best friends, uh, DeAndre. Uh, we had played football. You know, same time that me and Greg, Greg were known, you know, since the fourth grade. It was downtown. And, uh, you know, we had been out drinking a little bit or whatnot. I get a phone call. It was a 706 number. So I pick it up. I'm thinking, like, hey, you know, somebody from home calling me. You know, yeah, I don't have any number saved. You know, guy on the phone says, hey, can I speak to Marquise? And yeah, I'm like, well, yeah, this Marquise. He's like, hey, it's Coach Rick from Miami. I was like, oh, snap. I was like, you 
up, my friend got bug eyed, and he was like, and he was like, who is it? And like, and mind you, you know, I was just a little bit like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yeah, I was like, you're like, hey, uh, coaching, you're like, you hey, know, we, start we drinking talk. water. You're like, start drinking water now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put that beer down. Exactly start drinking some water. That, exactly that. And, uh, man, Coach Drake got his talking, and he was just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. So man, Coach Drake got to talking, and you know, uh, he was like, "Hey, he's like, you know, I watched the film. You know, we we like we would like to have you." He's like, "Hey, we want you to come down for an official visit." Well, it was like a Thursday. I never forget. It was a Thursday. I was graduating from Mars Hill that Saturday, and he wanted me to come to Miami that Sunday. And I was so oblivious to the whole process. I told Coach Drake, I was like, "Hey, yeah, I'm gonna graduate Saturday, man." My my mom gonna go like drop my stuff off in Athens, you know, after graduation, then we'll drive down to Miami. And he started laughing on the phone. I was like, what's so funny? He's like, Marquez, we're we gonna fly you to Miami. He's like, <laughs> I was like, oh. You're in the big, you're with the big boys now, man. Yeah, but I, I only had been on the plane once since then. So I'm like telling my mom, I was like, we flying to Miami Sunday. And she was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, the only time we've been out the state of Georgia was to New Jersey because my mom from New Jersey and she took us to Universal Studios when we was younger. But other than that, I had never left the state of Georgia. So to go to Miami, it was, it was so different. And honestly, that's, that's how that kind of all transpired. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, actually, because I wanted to ask you, because this is this happened to me. This happened to me, and I'm from Florida. Okay? <laughs> I, I'm from Tampa. This happened to me, and I think you know exactly where I'm going with this question. What was that culture shock like when yeah. you get down to the, to the country of Miami? Because it's a different place completely. Yeah. And you go in there, and you see things that those virgin eyes hadn't seen. And you hear stuff and just just the crazy meat grinder that is Miami. I mean, I try to explain it to people. The 305 is different. That it's place different. is just different, dude. I, I tell everybody, I was like, Miami is in a is a is a world of its own. Like you can't describe like once you cross into Dade County, it's almost like you're not in the United States anymore. Like, but uh, I never had been on a on an official visit. I mean, when we landed in the airport and got our bags and whatnot, and they was outside with the you know black suburban with the with the youth flags and everything, and he grabbed my bags and got my mama bag and opened the door for me. I'm looking at them like y'all y'all are crazy. Like <laughs> I was like I'm I'm a nobody. Like stop. Like y'all are crazy, and you know he's talking to me, and they take us to the hotel, and we get this you know big scenery. I get a cake in my room, and you know all this other stuff, and you know I'm like looking at my mom, and I'm like mom, like what? I'm like what's going on here? I'm like these people are like all out for little bitty old me, and I don't know what's going on. And mind you, you know it was funny because um, man, when I played it. Mars Hill, I was probably about 280 pounds, like legit. Like went from high school, was like graduated high school at 235, left Mars Hill, I was 280 pounds. Are you you're yeah. you're you're listed at 5'11 too, right? Yep, 5'10, 5'11 on the good day. What's it like on <laughs> that's crazy, dude, to have that on that frame, man. You must have been like running into a freaking stump. Like <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, it, it was crazy because I, you know, I was able to move. Well, I mean, at, in high school at two twenty five, I mean, I could run a four six. I was a fast guy. I could move well, and then you know, I just kind of packed on the weight, and then was still able to move and you know play that fullback position. And at Mars Hill, I mean, it was a true pro. I, you know, it was funny because <laughs> like my first few years at Mars Hill, the only like whenever we checked the play, it was always to ISO, no matter what coach would call a play we didn't like the look he said check the iso if <laughs> we would go to iso every single time four yards four yards <laughs> exactly. blunt force trauma four yards <laughs> and uh yeah i graduated there at 280 and i remember uh you know speaking to coach rick and you know, he was like, how much do you weigh? I was like, uh, I was like about 300 pounds at the time. And he just laughed. He was like, you, you weigh about 300 pounds? I was like, he's like, don't worry about it. We're going to get the weight off you during the summer program. He's like, what are you comfortable playing at? I was like 280. You know, <laughs> it's just kind of what I what I knew. So I mean, I actually played at Miami at, at 280. That's, uh, that's crazy, bro. I the heaviest I got at FIU was 255. I was 255. And I wish. Yeah, I was I, I was six. I was six six one, 255. I was also a four, like a four seven guy. I was like a four seven nine guy. I think that was the fastest I ever ran, was like a little sub four eight. Uh, but I was strong. Like I'm sure you, I'm sure you were, you are, were as well. Um, but that, that's what I had going for me. And the other thing I had going for me for that position was, um, I didn't have to be taught how to block. I already knew how to do that because, you know, I had played guard for all these years. And to be honest with you, I didn't get on the squad as like a fullback. I had to demonstrate my ability to long snap a little bit to be able to get in the to get in the door and then when they were like hey we need a scout team fullback i was like i'm right here <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so my my time my short tenure down there for the florida international university golden panthers at the time um was in 2006 through the spring of 2007 it was a very short and not uh, illustrious career by any stretch of the imagination but i do have one claim to fame and that was I was present for the brawl in the Orange Bowl between the between FIU and in Miami in 2006, which was an absolute bananas moment. It honestly, it's supposed to be an embarrassing moment for the sport, but <laughs> screw that. I was there. I don't really care. Uh, so, so let me ask you, how did that start? Because mind you, I grew up a Georgia fan, never heard of Miami. And so I went down there. So I so I didn't really understand, you know, the culture and the rivalries or whatnot. How did that start? Like, get, give me your perspective on it. So kind of how it started, to be honest with you, like FIU was, uh, was a, a team. Uh, it had the same kind of chip on its shoulder that, that a lot of people associate with the Miami Hurricanes. Like it's, it's a team that isn't going to take anything off of anybody. I mean, these are guys from South Florida. You know, like th this, this is a, a culture down there of, and, and Florida man is a real thing. And South Florida man is an even more real thing. <laughs> and so uh, the funny thing is, is there was, there would be some kind of altercation almost every day at practice. I mean, it was just, it was that, it was that mentality that 
not only were you a football player, but like your manhood is tied to this game too, you know? So it's like you, when I walked on out there, like I got tested and tried first day. Like I, you know, I run through the hole as a scout team fullback and all of a sudden the, the first team defense is throwing, you know, swinging at me, throwing shots at me, everything else. And, you know, I started swinging back, you know, it wasn't anything that like crazy, but they just wanted to see that you were willing to do it to like go at it. You know what I mean? Like that's what they wanted in the, in that, in that culture, in that locker room was like guys, they were going to suit up and go to war with Miami is probably very similar to, to that in those regards, because a lot of those guys played with each other in high school. They played against each other. And so guys that would get the nod to go to Miami over guys that ended up at FIU, it might've just been a handful of things that kept one from going to the U and one going to, you know, FIU up there in Sweetwater. What happened was coming into that contest, there was a whole bunch of tension and kind of electricity and it had been pumped up for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, there, there were flyers and posters everywhere. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. And so Orange Bowl, 58,000 people in there, almost 60,000 people packed in for the game. Uh, the two student sections, they decided to put them right next to each other. I don't oh know. It was, it was, it was silly. It was dumb the way they set it up. Right. And so they're getting into it even before the game, there's been heavy drinking all day. There's arrests that are happening in the stands before the game even starts. <laughs> A certain Miami player, I'm not going to say who it was, defamate anybody's character, but uh, crossed to our side of the field, crossed the 50, and kicked our quarterback's helmet, our team captain's helmet, which was on the ground where they were doing warm-ups, came over and kicked it across the field and then threw up the U right in his face, right? So that's how we were greeted coming in. <laughs> so it was already bad blood. There was already... Uh, all you know, a, a, a small altercation that was I had already broken out before the cameras were even rolling. And so what happened was, as the game went along, it was tight early, but then Miami scores a touchdown. And actually, it was their fullback at the time. I forget what his name was, but he caught a rollout. So he rolled out. He caught a touchdown pass. And he bows to our student section, starts taunting him a little bit. So on the extra point, our guys go out there, their guys go out there. There's some jawing back and forth. The attempt goes and then just all hell breaks loose, dude. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, something was said that someone didn't like. And, and one of our safeties knocks out the kicker. <laughs> <laughs> he just oh, yeah. he just throws an uppercut, knocks him out, and it's on and popping. And so what 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 happened was is I'm I'm standing on the sideline. I was there, but I did not dress for this game. I was in a I was in a jersey that wasn't a number that I was gonna wear and it didn't have a last name on it either. It's just oh, okay. I was just there to kind of help, you know, because it was like, hey, you know, let's be nice to the scout team guys and we'll we'll, you know, I dressed later, but I didn't dress for this game. I'm standing there and all of a sudden I see this kind of go down and I'm like, oh man, that's, that needs to stop. <laughs> and, and it doesn't. And the refs start running and I'm like, oh crap. And then I see Miami's sideline just stand up and they're coming, they're coming onto the field and they're not coming onto the field nonchalantly. They're running onto the field. It looked like uh, it looked like Braveheart, some crazy shit out of like a, a you know a medieval movie, and leading the charge or somewhere in sort of in there is Calias Campbell. And Calias Campbell 
is just sticking out of this crowd because you know he's like six nine he's huge yeah i'm looking and i turned to my buddy on my right i forget who it was exactly but he was standing there and i went hey do you believe this shit and as that's coming out of my mouth he's already running onto the field and so i'm like (laughs) i'm like oh that's crazy and i go to turn to the other guy on my left and i go hey do you believe this and he's gone And so I'm standing there and I'm like, well, man, I can't punk out, man. I got to, so I I ran out there on the field too. mostly helped just to break it up. Cause I wasn't trying to get my head caved in with a helmet flying around out there, but that was crazy, man. We had a guy on, we had a guy who tore his meniscus. He was on crutches. Somebody tried to punch him. All of a sudden I see him running in a knee brace, swinging his crutch. Uh, There's, (laughs) it was insane, dude. It was crazy. Oh, it, was, it was it was the craziest oh. is the craziest shit I'd ever been a part of. Like, uh, well, not ever, but at that time in my life, it was the craziest thing. And so, uh, yeah, man, uh, the game gets delayed by 30 minutes, 30, 35 minutes before they sort everything out. The student section start fighting again. There's tasers, there's <laughs> bottles, there's hats. There's this place is going wild and everyone's on their feet. <laughs> the whole stadium's just electric. Like they almost canceled, they almost just stopped the game because they were like, there's no way we're going to be able to get this back in order. But yeah, that's my, that's my claim to sports fame right there. The, the brawl in the orange. That, that is fine. It's funny too. Cause, uh, cause I know Calais. I met him when I was in Jacksonville. <laughs> Super nice guy. Um, yeah, so like the fact that you said it, like he was out there fighting. Well, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't think he was even out there fighting. He just came out and there was just a bubble around him that was like, yeah, no one's stepping even close to this guy. You know, he's, I think, you know, he's out there, oh, come on, guys, let's go, come on, Burger. Oh man, it sounds like Clay. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like his, you know, it, I think he knew he, he can't hit anybody. Like <laughs> he's just too big and powerful, man. You can't. With great power comes great responsibility, and so I think, yeah, I think that's where he was at. Um, but so they demolished the Orange Bowl uh, after that season. So playing for the Miami Hurricanes, you never actually got to play in the legendary Orange Bowl, but you have an experience that I don't have and will never have, and that's playing at Hard Rock Stadium. And so what's it like running through that smoke and coming out there? Oh, man, it was uh, it was electric. And um, it was really um, – it was really – you know, uh, better just because that they, they had renovated the stadium the year before uh, Coach Rick got there. Coach year, Coach Rick first year in Miami, the stadium was renovated. You know, uh, the stadium didn't have any covering. Uh, they came in, they put some covering in the stadium. They actually designed it to where the when we had an afternoon game, we were in the shade and the sun was beaming on the opponent on the opponents. They literally designed it that way. And man, I, I remember, um, you know, just driving, you know, to the stadium, you know, uh, most people don't understand that, you know, Hard Rock, Hard Rock is like 45 minutes north of Cora Gables. We had to jump on the bus and drive 45 minutes north to get to the Dolphin Stadium to uh, even go play. And uh, I just remember coming, you know, over, over the bypass and, you know, seeing all the tents in Miami, everything. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm really playing like division one football. It's like something I've never seen before. 
we pulled into the stadium and they had the cane walk. And uh, as we pulled in, you know, the bus started rocking. I was like, oh, shit, like, what are they doing? They was like, this is what we do. That's like, we rock the bus when we we get to the stadium. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, this is cool as fuck. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so I'm rocking the bus with them. And, you know, uh, and, and then coach is like, all right, seniors. There's like, seniors are first. I was like, oh, snap. I was like, okay, cool. So, you know, I get off the bus and, man, it's just thousands and thousands of people. They cheering. They yelling. They got the band playing, cheerleaders. It was like something I never seen before. And, you know, I got to see my mom and hug her. And uh, the biggest thing, just kind of side note, was, uh, you know, you know, in the black community, growing up watching Friday was like, you know, like the movie Friday was the movie Ice Cube, Chris Tucker. But uh, actually, Felicia in the movie, she was the mother of our quarterback, Brad Kaya. Like she played the role Felicia and oh, Friday. So I remember interesting connection the, there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember getting off the bus and she said, Hey, Marquez. And I was like, You know, I said Miss Kaya, but it was really Felicia. I was like, Hey, Miss Kaya gave her a hug. And, you know, when I thought about it, I was like, Man, I grew up watching this movie a million times. And I actually got to meet Felicia from Friday. It's like the craziest thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, just going down the cane walk, man, and seeing all the people yelling and, and really like the fans like knew who I was, like knew my name, yelled my name. And, want pictures and I, it was just so new to me and uh once I got dressed and whatnot I just remember walking out in the locker room and it was game time and um I don't know for some reason uh my heart wasn't pounding I didn't feel nervous it felt like I was supposed to be there in that moment and I remember they hit the smoke and uh <laughs> somebody grabbed me and I was like I was like get off of me and they was like Bro, we gotta hold we gotta hold on to each other running through the smoke. You're not gonna see anything. <laughs> I heard the smoke hit and we ran through the smoke. I was like, oh shit, I can't see nothing. Like you like tiptoeing through the smoke, like don't trip over nobody, don't fall. And then it clears up and it's like you run. I was like, oh so I was like that that was cool as well. It, it never got old running through the smoke, man. Ever. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the the best entrances in college football is you know Miami coming through the smoke, Clemson coming down the hill, Notre Dame coming out of the locker room, hitting the play like a champion. Stuff, you know, the, those are some pretty cool entrances, and I think Miami's got one of them. Yeah, man, it was it was awesome. Uh, I I never forget it, man. I wish I can do it just one more time, just one more time, run through that smoke. Two questions I have about the 2016 season. Okay, one. And we'll do this real quick. One, uh, who caught the first touchdown of the season? Oh man, you're looking at them. <laughs> caught the first, the first touchdown. Cooker era at Miami in the brand new stadium. That's awesome. How that 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 must have been a really cool moment. Did you? Uh, how'd you celebrate, man? Did you do the big man spot? Well, no, you couldn't spike then. I don't think you could spike in college football. Then it was gonna be a flag, right? Nah, I'm I'm a bit I'm a, uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'll walk you through it, man. I never forget. You know, we ran through the smoke. I was on the sideline, and uh, you know, defense went out there, and you know, we got the ball. And we kind of drove it down to the goal line. And I'll never forget. They was like, hey, goal line. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm in the game. I'm sitting in the huddle. And I hear Brad call to play. And I was like, oh, snap. I was like, that's me. And I was like, shit. You know, at this point, I'm getting nervous. Because I never had played in front of 60,000 people and whatnot. So I'm getting nervous as hell. And mind you, Coach Rick had went on this whole big thing about, hey, we got this new fullback. And we're going to play physical and da 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 
So I'm like, okay, so, you know, we went play action. I'm running out into the flat. So I see a backer blitz, you know, I avoid him. And I'm running the flat. I'm looking back at the quarterback. And in my head, he's he's looking at me. I was like, don't throw the ball. Don't throw the ball. Don't throw the ball. And he threw it. I was like, oh, shit. You know, in my head, I'm telling, like, as this was going, I was like, oh, I'm about to drop it. Everybody's about to boo me. I'm finna look goofy. And magically, I, I caught it. I caught it. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I got the ball. I turn up field and I see a DB like diving at my legs and I see the goal line and I was like, just jump. I was like, jump, jump, jump. And I jump into the end zone and as soon as I cross the line, because I'm look, I'm looking down, so all I see is the line and I see the ball and myself cross and the and the crowd just erupted. Like the stadium went crazy and I got up and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, what, I was like, what just happened? And everybody came over and congratulated us. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking. You know, I, I pointed to the sky and I, I thanked the big man above. And, and then I ran to the sideline, not knowing that I had time to celebrate. I didn't know that, like, individual football, you had time to celebrate. And I could have ran to the stands and celebrated with the fans or what. But I didn't know I can do that. I thought, at D2, you scored. You went to the sideline. So I scored, man. They, the crowd erupted. Everybody celebrated me. And then uh, I just kind of went back to the sideline. I found my mom, my mom and my family in the stands, and I pointed at them and waved. And uh, it, was, it was it was cool as shit. It, it really was. Uh, yeah, I, I can appreciate that. I <clears throat> I actually got to score the first touchdown of my uh, career ever in the last game I ever played. So. Um, oh wow! Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, we, we, I played for the uh, the. We played for Fort Benning team here in Columbus, uh, and we played the local uh, Division three and club co- college teams. And so the very last game of the season, it's called the Doughboy Classic. We play against Columbus State University, and this is actually in 2016, so it's pretty funny. We actually played football <laughs> the uh, the same, you know, last year. But, yeah, it was great, man. We had, like, 5,000, 6,000 people there total. Uh, Columbus State showed up with everybody. They they busted a bunch of uh, basic trainees in to fill up the stands uh, there, the Fort Benning side. And my my dad was there. My stepdad was there. Both of them been really big in my football life. And um, you know, my wife was there. My baby. I had just been born. She was just a few weeks old, um, oh, you know, wow. and it was just awesome. Like I, you know, I, I play, I was playing fullback. Um, we went power. eye. I mean, I lit some dudes fire that night. I mean, like, a, <laughs> like, you know, I had, the, I had the career game, you know, and it was a great, it was a beautiful way to go out. Uh, but yeah, I got to score a touchdown. It was the first touchdown of the game. So I was, I was pretty oh, yeah. excited about it, but yeah, I know that, I know that feeling, not the feeling you had, but the, you know, you, for me, it might as well have been the hard rock stadium, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so just to close this out real quick, um, talking about Miami um, and, and such a classic program, if you were to give your best recruiting pitch, for the hurricanes, give it to me right now. I I'm a prospect. I'm a prospect. You know, I'm a recruit. Get me to Coral Gables. What are you gonna say to me? School in paradise. School in paradise. Like what 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 better school to go to than Miami? School in paradise. The weather is great all the time. Most historic program. National brand. You'll forever be remembered. The U. No nobody else can can say that no other school in America uses the same logo as a football logo as the school logo when branding the school. The U is the school, school in paradise, nowhere else to go. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, and I've got a lot of friends back in Florida that I grew up with that are uh, avid Miami Hurricanes fans that are probably, you know, uh, when, when they hear this episode, they're all going to be fist pumping right now for sure. But uh, so the next segment we're going to get into is uh, current events and staying in Miami. The, the recruiting is the hot topic this time of year. And the Canes have landed the nation's number one safety for 2021 in James Williams. Um, he's a top 25 player overall and the number one safety. And so Ed Reed, who is the director of operations down there, I think actually his official title is chief of staff down there in, uh, in Miami, had a lot to do with this kid's commitment. And I just wanted to ask you as a former player and somebody who's well-versed in the game, you know, what do you think about this, uh, them, them landing this recruit? Oh, uh, well, it's, it's always big time, man. Um, and I just got done talking to one of my friends who a big Hurricane fan. And we always talk about how, you know, as many legends, you know, have come through to you, you know, it's exciting to see Ed Reed come back. Um, we get a lot of guys that come back to you, but not necessarily the coaching staff. So to have someone like, we call him Unk, you know, to have Unk come back and, you know, uh, be chief of staff and kind of coordinate that uh, holds a lot of weight. You know, and we need more of them guys being able to come back to the U, you know, especially them legends to come back to kind of restore, you know, how Miami was. And so it's amazing just to see him come in and be able to, you know, recruit some talent like that and to give back to that program. And it was like kudos to Miami for uh, jumping on that, you know, when when he made the decision to want to get back into the, uh, well, to get into the coaching. Gotcha. One last question for, um, more of a it's, it's it's more of a bold prediction on your part and so um we all know that Derek king down there for the hurricanes yes, has announced that he's returning he's going to use that extra covid year i think that's a great move uh especially well especially since he he did get injured as well um you know there at the end of the year unfortunately for him but where does a healthy Derek king which he is expected to make a full recovery finish in heisman voting for you where like do you think all the unknowns out of the equation right do you think he'll be sort of a, a heisman shortlister after this 2021 season I, I think he should i think he should you know, be one of the top, you know, four or five guys that, you know, make it to New York to uh, be at the Heisman ceremony. Uh, there's so many things that play a factor, uh, especially, you know, when wanting to be a Heisman candidate, you know, the, um, you know, your team's record and how y'all are doing and whatnot. And uh, I think the only thing that hurts him and, uh, you know, I'm totally transparent about the Miami program. I think they are still years away from being that national championship caliber team or even a playoff team. Uh, so for him solely as an individual, he's all high. I'm in Canada. Am I he get there? I'm not sure just based upon he's not playing for Alabama or for Clemson or Ohio State, you know, um, and Miami, Miami has had his struggles, you know, even in the games that they were supposed to win, you know, that they, they have came a long way, but they still have a long way to go. Yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of funny. I've seen some ACC message boards and for some reason, everybody's drinking this crazy Kool-Aid because Clemson got you know, manhandled. They got bitch slapped by Ohio State. I mean, they really did. It was they were, they were beaten definitively. But everybody just now thinks that okay, well, that happened, so they're not there anymore. And I'm like, are you guys? Have you guys lost your minds? Because like, 
I'm hearing talk about Miami, like taking the ACC from some people that are really extreme, like on that bandwagon. And I'm like, well, Clemson's still there. There's also this team called North Carolina. I told people years ago, even when Miami won 10 straight and everybody was like, the U is back. I'm like, no, it's not. I was like, this, this, this team isn't as dominant. They were winning games, but how they were winning games wasn't in the fashion of, hey, you know, we, we're going to be able to do this all the way to the national championship. And they won 10 straight and then they wound up losing you know, the last three. And uh, it's just something about, you know, uh, you know, even when you watch Saban and, and their teams, you know, they when they're supposed to beat the teams they're supposed to beat, they beat them. You know, it's okay for you to win some nail biters and whatnot against some top talent, but you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, no close games, and it was just that whole mentality. And it was, it's literally like week in and week out, you was holding your breath with Miami. I think even against Georgia Tech that year, there's a fourth down and, you know, they, they threw a goal out and now my boy Daryl came up with the catch and was like, well, okay, you know, and then, you know, and then they had the final play versus Florida State. And the same guy Daryl caught the touchdown, the game winning touchdown pass, and it was like, okay, but it's like we can't keep winning like this. Like, you know, it has to be some type of dominance. Um, but I'm I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid yet. Um still on the defensive side. Uh, they, I feel like Miami still has to be more dominant or as dominant as they have been in the past. Like It, it will come down to that. And uh, on, on offense, like we still don't quite have the firepower that we need. We don't have the big receivers, the Andre Johnson. We don't have, you know, the Jeremy Shockers and whatnot. Not to compare, but you know, Derrick King is good. We got some good backs, but we, I mean, we ain't got the guys on the outside that we used to have, uh, you know, blazing fast. And, and even up front uh, on the offensive line, uh, Miami hasn't had what they used to in the past. They have struggled up front too. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I, the thing about the 2016 season for you, you know, playing down there was, it was a definitive year that was a step in the right direction. You end up going nine and four, winning the bowl game because under the Al Golden years, not knocking him as a coach, I'm not suggesting I could do it better. But what I'm saying is Miami kind of had that period of 500 football, you know, it was kind of like they were losing about as many as they were winning. Um, but it felt like the 2016 season was a good step in the right direction, a kind of a revamp, a revival for the for the program. And I think they're continuing that they're about at that same level, in my opinion, right now, where you can expect nine 10 wins from the uh, Miami Hurricanes by the time bowl season shakes out. To me, yeah, they're still maybe a two to three to four loss team, but a, still a solid football team. Yeah, I still think they're years away from, again, that college contention, college playoff contention and national championship contention. And like you said, in 2016, when we won, oh, excuse me, the Russell Athletic Bowl, that's the first time we won a bowl game in 10 years, which is like unheard of for Miami. So and I think, like you said, I think they're continuing that now. Yeah, I'd agree with you. So the last segment of tonight's show, and and uh, again, Marquez, thank you so much for your time. But the, la the last part of this show, the last segment is a new thing we're going to do. It's a new segment and it's it's kind of exciting. Are you ready to hear it? It's the, the bull in the ring. Okay. So just like bull in the ring, which again, was probably one of my favorite drills to do in football growing up. Uh, the, the, it's going to be coming at you rapid fire. 
and you don't know what's coming next. So I'm going to <laughs> rapid fire some questions at you. And as soon as you answer them, no take backs. As soon as you answer them, the next question's coming. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here, here we go. Favorite song in the gym? Uh, probably Yo Gotti, Recession Proof. Favorite college football tradition? Tradition to smoke at the U, baby, all day. Favorite cheat day meal? Ooh, uh, maybe cookout. Maybe the take a trade cookout. <laughs> okay, a sport you never played, but that you wish you tried. Man, uh, oh, geez, I'm terrible at every other sport. Maybe basketball. <laughs> favorite video game or video game franchise oh easy ncaa 13 i still play it to this day are you excited that that game's coming back <laughs> yeah without a doubt I pro honestly i probably won't play it i still play my 360 i haven't upgraded to a new system favorite <laughs> song in the club oh man jesus what the, uh, the what uh, this is a plethora uh probably right now be cj whoopty Okay. Movie. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that. You're going to have to, you're going to have to shoot me that in a link. Movie you've movie you've watched an embarrassing amount of times. Oh, movie. Jesus, man. You know, I had the concussions and whatnot. Not movie, but I, I, I will give a TV show. Uh, I gotta be honest. That's shipping wars. Uh, and most people never heard of it, but I love shipping wars. I want every season of it. And if I got it tonight, I'll watch it tonight for some reason. I love shipping wars. Weirdest thing a coach ever said to you? <laughs> uh, you chat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> a show that makes you angry. A show that makes me angry. Uh, oh, man. Uh, I, I think recently... Uh, it's not bad. I ain't got nothing against these people. I'm all for people doing what they do. But it was like a polygamous like TV show that I was watching and the wives were complaining about being married to a man that had multiple wives. And I was like, well, get out. I was, like, I was, I was angry as ever, but yeah, probably that. Favorite buzzword such as absurd, ridiculous, ludicrous, etc. Favorite buzzword. Favorite buzzword. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite athlete. Favorite athlete. Oh, man. Uh, I go Kobe. Okay. And last question. Bravest person you know. Bravest person I know. Oh, man. Oh, man. I got to be careful when I answer this one. Bravest person I know. Uh, probably, probably my mom. Probably yeah. my mom. That's that's a that's a safe answer. Either go your mom or your wife. One of one of the two. This bro, year. My, bro, my mom. My mom is fearless. Jesus. Yeah. Fearless. So, uh, real quick, what what is it that you do now, man? This is bull in the ring is over, by the way. But what is it you're doing now? Uh, now I'm an entrepreneur. I have a sock company called Pop Socks. The name Pops come from. Uh, my playing days at Miami when I when I when I transferred to the University of Miami, I was the oldest and only ball guy on the team. So Coach Rick called me Pops. So uh, down in Miami, it's almost like nobody know my real name. They know me by Pops. And uh, you know, again, happy birthday to Coach Rick. Today is his birthday. That I is right. Yeah, today is his birthday. Yeah, happy I birthday, Coach him. Rick. Uh, I texted him and he said, "Pops, you remember?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." So. Uh, Pop Socks is uh, my sock company where we sell all types of cool, crazy, wacky socks. 
You can go to uh, my website, which is www.pops, which is popssocks.com. That's popssocks.com. Pop socks. We sell all types of cool, crazy, wacky, off the wall socks. We also do custom socks, custom beanies, scarves, football gloves, and much more. That's awesome, man. I'm glad that you're you're into something and. I'm glad that you were able to come on here and talk about it and, you know, hopefully get some additional exposure to that, because I I think that's great that, that you're doing your own business venture. You know, that's people should do and pursue things that they're passionate about and, and, and have fun at and line up with their goals as well. And so it's, it's great to hear that you're doing something. How do people get in touch with you personally though? Yeah, if you want to get in touch with me personally, I do have, you know, Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, my Instagram handle is um, Quiz Demand, so that's Q-U-E-Z-D-A-M-A-N underscore 36, or you just uh, search Marquez Williams on Facebook. You can also email me at popsocks at gmail, that's popsocks with a Z, P-O-P-Z, socks at gmail dot com you can always get in contact with me that way for all your sock needs and anything else um i didn't even mention i recently got into the vending machine business too so i do uh, i have my first vending machine first location and we're getting that rocking hell yeah brother are you part of the uh, any given you facebook group as well uh i don't think so uh, hit up greg he'll he's gonna he'll pull you in so that'll be another place he can get a get a hold of you as well my man so Hey, if you enjoyed what you've heard today or on tonight's episode, I should say, please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and give us that oh-so-important review, or at least tell a few friends about the podcast. They can catch us on Apple Pods, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Anchor Podcasts. If you have comments, suggestions, gripes, complaints, or otherwise, please shoot us an email at anygivenyou at gmail.com. That is anygivenyou, all one word, at gmail.com. We would love to get some fan-based material to discuss on future shows. And remember, any given time, any given place, any given topic, get it at any given year.